Welcome to the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Schmedeke. And today, we are talking all things Colorado Avalanche with beat reporter Kyle Fredrickson as the Avs get ready to defend their Stanley Cup as the season opens this week. Also, please make sure to follow us at Denver G-A-Z Sports on Twitter for all your Colorado sports news. Now, let's talk some Avs. We are joined by Avs beat reporter Kyle Fredrickson. It is hockey season. It is time to talk about the defending Stanley Cup champions. Kyle, are you ready for hockey season? I'm ready. You know, I, I've been looking forward to this for a long time, getting on the beat. But, man, it feels like, what was it, yesterday that they won game six and, and hoisted the cup? Because, man, it was a it was a short off season. You know, I have a real quick funny story about when they won the cup. I was on vacation with my wife out of the country for a trip that we saved up for for a long time that we just ended up taking. And so the games were at very odd times where we were mm-hmm. at. And uh, we woke up the next morning. We went to Greece, actually. And I woke up in Greece after they won the cup. And then I was, like, ecstatic the rest of the day. And <laughs> there was – I could not believe there was at least five, six people who would come up to me if I had an ad shirt on or something and be like, hey, congrats. they won the cup last night. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, like the there happiest was, tourist for sure. Yeah, there was so many, you know, Americans around where we were at that they just knew what would happen. Anyway, that's a personal note. So, here we go. You know, defending Stanley Cup champions um, to take the ice tomorrow against the Blackhawks on national TV. I think it's weird that they're not playing tonight. I don't know how you feel about that. But it is like- strange. You know, they'll be on TNT tomorrow, so they'll have that spotlight. But even then, I think they'll be the second of back-to-back games. But the, the Avs will get their shine on, on TV plenty. For sure. So, let's just kind of do an overall look at the season. You know, a lot of pressure. Um I mean, but maybe not as much pressure now that they've won the cup. So how, how do you see that? Yeah, it, it's an interesting concept. And Bednar has been asked sort of this question in a variety of ways, right? Because that's the thing. How how do you do this again? And what is the pressure to do it again based on what this roster looks like? We've talked about it before on the podcast, but the Avalanche are essentially in the five to 10 year championship window yeah. based on the contracts of their star players. If they stay healthy, if Colorado continues to build around them year after year with guys who fit. Uh, it sure seems like this offseason, even with the defections, they found guys who, who are going to fit seamlessly onto this team. So you talk about pressure, sure. The Avalanche are going to be circled on every calendar of every opponent this year as someone that they're going to get up to play. But this team is so talented and, and has a head coach who's so calm and collected and, and still has such high expectations of this team himself that anything that we put on them in the media or fans is probably second to kind of what it's like in that building. And that's a credit to Bednar and a credit to Joe Sackett just for the culture they've built. You know, it was, uh, they released cause they got their rings yesterday and they released a video of some, just of Bednar in the locker room during the playoffs. And even with that pressure, that guy's just cool. Like he's just so cool and he keeps those guys even keel and it really works for them. Yeah. He picks his moments to light into guys and, and to make a scene, but it's not part of his personality, and I think players have got to appreciate that. For sure. So let's talk about the roster a little bit. There has been some changeover. A lot of guys are coming back, but um, let's start with the forwards first. Um, Landeskog is out for, I believe I heard an interview with Bednar that he could start skating soon. But, you know, he's out on that top line, so who fills his spot? And it sounds like Alex Newhook is definitely going to start as the second center. 
Right, right. Yeah, so really just starting on that top line. It's pretty seamless, I think, right now that Arturi Lekkonen's going to slot in yeah. at left wing beside McKinnon and Rantanen. And, and that's a credit to Lekkonen. I mean, he plays with so much speed. Um, he's aggressive on the forecheck and, and a guy who's capable of, of being an elite goal scorer. You know, they got a lot of key goals from him at big moments. So even with Landeskog out, it's obviously a leadership vacuum that you want your, your captain on the ice. But the forward depth that the Avs have at the very top is is so impressive. And that's told just basically looking at the second line because, you know, you could put Nachushkin or Newhook on that top line. And I think the Avs would be looking good. But to your point, they really like Newhook as that number two center. I mean, Bednar essentially says he's going to give him a leash to see what he can do with it over the next couple months and then maybe reassess. But all signs point to Newhook being the guy. His body's matured. Uh, into someone who's ready to play in the NHL and, and contribute on a nightly basis. Um, and, you know, of course, Evan Rodriguez, we spoke about him before, but he'll really round out that that top six as a guy who could also jump in the top line, I think, if, if injuries play their toll. But, uh, you know, with Landeskog, we'll see what the time frame is going to be. The one thing that's certain is Colorado's not going to rush him back. Uh, they've got enough players right now to, to fill that role where where they're not going to panic and, and, and try to be forcing wins early in the season. Um, but certainly looking at that top line, um, just looking forward to watching McKinnon play, man, because every time he has the puck, it's like he's on a different planet sometimes. It, yeah. It's, does he wear the C then with Lanny uh, so, so they'll they'll wear the – he'll wear the A with Kel McCarr. Oh, okay. I think is how it will work. And and I'm still learning this too. Hockey's not my first sports language per se, but I think they, you know, they won't hand out that C unless, you know, Landy's back on the ice. Right, right. So let's talk about the bottom six, because there are some new names down on that bottom six. Um, but you know, there's familiar names. Cogliano's back, um, JT Comfer's still down there. Um, Logan O'Connor is still right. part of the team, but that fourth well, line's got some new names for sure. Right. Well, well, good job naming the third line uh, in order there. Was that, that all of them? Is, all right. <laughs> right. That that is how it's going to play out. And initially, Comfer was uh, dealing with kind of a minor injury in training camp, so there's sort of a thought that maybe he wouldn't start the season on the active roster. Um, but that does give a little bit of clarity to that fourth group, and that fourth line center is is really the guy we predicted from the start of camp, uh, being Ben Myers, the, the yeah. free agent out of Minnesota, one of the highest uh, rated, you know, college seniors coming out. Uh, immediately came onto this team and proved that he belongs. It, it was a little bit of an up and down training camp, maybe a lull in the middle, but based on how well he finished. Uh, you know, I think that gave the abs a lot of confidence that, you know, he can come in and, and play those greedy minutes in terms of the wings on that fourth line. It's just a couple of kind of very low key classic Joe Sackick off season signings, right? Lucas Sedlak, Anton bleed. You know, these are guys who weren't huge names on the free agent market, but they're both durable. They both play a physical heavy brand of hockey. And, and that's what Bednar says that he wants just, you know, guys who know what they're doing know their expectations um and aren't going to be soft you know the the abs could have gone with maybe martin kout or shane bowers on this fourth line to start the year but i don't think those guys play with that same brand of hockey i just spoke of you know especially with kout it feels like a make or break year they're lucky he made it through waivers i could see him coming up at some point on that fourth line to get some run um but certainly right now i think the abs feel good about this group because you know darren helm is another name from that bottom six, and he's injured to start the year. He's a little bit closer to coming back, but you know, again, they don't need to rush him as at all either. He's a you know a veteran player that the Avs really respect. Brings a lot of those same qualities I spoke about earlier, but he could end up replacing Sedlak or Bleed 
um, I think, at wing on that fourth line when he's ready. It's crazy to think how important Darren Helm really is to this team, especially last year that he possibly scored one of the biggest goals in the playoffs when they won game <laughs> six in St. Louis. And right, right. So, all right, so let's move over to defense where, again, there's uh, no shortage of star power on this team. You know, you have the star-studded duo of Taze and McCarr, and I, I don't know what – you know, you did a Q&A with McCarr for our special section that we'll plug at the end here, but – I mean, I don't know what else that guy can do, but I'm sure he'll find some other level to go to. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty, you know, honestly, if people ask me about this job and the best part about it. I'll, number one is probably watching Kale McCarr play. Yeah. Now, one B might be watching Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really a similar experience. But in terms of improving his game, you know, one thing that he speaks about in that Q&A is just what leadership means to him, right? I mean, here's a kid who still has those rosy cheeks. He looks like he's a, a college sophomore, you know, if, if you didn't know who he was. But he carries such weight on this team with the way he plays. But I think we're going to see him be more vocal, see him take more of ownership and his own mistakes and, and cleaning up some of that. I think, you know, Kale wasn't perfect down the stretch. He did allow some goals with yeah. that line on the ice, that first pairing. You know, you can't expect a guy to be perfect, but there are areas that he needs to clean up, especially in big games and and being more reliable defensively. Obviously, the, the hand skill and the speed offensively is un undoubted. It's the best in the league. It's what makes him who he is. Um, but he truly is a, a generational talent who will get better. I mean, I, I think when you look at that race for defenseman of the year, He's got to be right there. And then Devontae's is just the perfect partner who, who doesn't make mistakes. He's not a flashy player, but uh, in terms of having two guys at the top, you couldn't ask for a better combo. It, it really is the best in the league. So then after him, you know, you've got Sam Gerrard's coming back. You've got, you know, Josh Manson, who I spaced on when I was talking, thinking about pairings, who, again, scored a huge goal in the playoffs and was a huge part of everything. And, you know, Eric Johnson's back there. And then that sixth slot is kind of up in the air. So there's just even a ton of talent behind the best pairing in the league. Right. And I did ask Jared this question today, you know, the last media availability before game day. What's your thought process in figuring out those bottom two pairings on defense? Because to your point, they have so much talent there. And, and the thing that stands out to me is the first guy that he mentioned, Bednar, was Sam Girard. Uh, and a lot of people have kind of dumped on him in the offseason. We talked about it, I think, on the last podcast. But it's clear to me that that he belongs in that second group yeah. uh, in Bednar's vision. And in terms of chemistry and who he plays best, Bednar says that that's Eric Johnson. And, you know, you could make an argument that Josh Manson could be better in that second pairing, that he's got a little bit, you know, younger legs and, and, and a better offensive game than Eric Johnson. But if the chemistry is not there, you know, put EJ with Gerard on that second pair and, and let those guys go to work. And then, then that third group, uh, you know, Bo Byram and Josh Manson played a I lot of playoffs together. Right. Right. But yeah, well, Bo, you know, he's healthy, right? That's the exciting part. Yep. All the head stuff, the concussions here was a guy who might quit hockey, but now he and could end up being a critical piece of, you know, the abs title quest. He, he really came on in the playoffs. We'll see if he can make that last into the, the regular season, but yeah, you know, the abs have another injury at defense. You know, Jacob McDonald isn't active to start the year, but the truth is they, they don't really need them. You know, they're, they're so loaded in this group and, and really it's, it's the strength of this team. For sure. You know, they, they've got so much, this is, so we got to talk about goalie now, um, which is always the uh, talking point with the Colorado Avalanche for sure. Um, so Alexander Gorgiev, which I've continued to practice that name so I can keep saying it, 
Um, he's the starter. I mean, it, it seems that way. He played those last two games in, was it Dallas or against Dallas? Uh, it was right. a home and home, right? Right. And he looked great. And so I think he's ready to take on that role. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting here because I think there's two lines of thought in terms of his his true role with the team. You know, when they acquired Gorgia from the Rangers, Joe Sackick was at the NHL draft, and he gave one of the first interviews talking about this signing and, and why the Avs did it. And he made it clear, we did this to make Gorgiev the starter. He's wanted this opportunity in New York. He, he didn't get it. We think he's ready. But, you know, training camp starts, and the same question goes to Jared Bednar, and he talks about it being a competition, you know, how he expects Frankie to compete with Gorgiev for that starter's job. You know, based solely on on a salary, Gorgiev's the guy. You know, he's making, you know, more, yeah. almost $2 million more than Frankie. So if you're running this team, yes, you don't want to pay the guy who's making more money and sit him on the bench. That's, that's just bad economics, but you know, when it comes down to what's going to happen this year and how the goalies will be deployed, don't be shocked if Frankie ends up really being like a one B option as a tandem. And, and I only say that because Gorgiev hasn't done it. He, he hasn't carried the load for an entire year. And I think when you look at how this roster is built and where they're spending money, the team isn't going to be upset if they have two very high level kind of mid range goaltenders, because they think that's enough to win the cup. If, if they didn't, they would have re-signed Darcy Kemper. They would have went out and tried to get some other flashier name, a guy who's going to command more money in this market, but they didn't because they're building a roster around their talent. And, you know, I, I think that's a smart move by Sackett and company, but flip that on, on its head, maybe is goaltending what, defines this avalanche season is, is, is Gorgia put him over the top or or do they miss you know out on an opportunity I mean what do you think I you know I it, it's hard to say because I think we talked about this before where it's possibly goaltender for the Avs is the most like st- stressless job in hockey because they right. score goals they have an amazing defense and I think if we're not talking about either of them the Avs are in great shape Sure, sure. It's like an exactly. offensive line. They're not the storyline. That's a good point. You know, if, if, if we're not looking at games and being like, oh, you know, Gorgiev had a rough night, you know, that's a bad sign. But, you know, if the Avs score seven goals, it doesn't matter. And they did that a lot last season. For sure. So let's talk about that front office a little bit. Um, a little bit, you know, they've restructured some things. Uh, Joe Sackick is now president of the organization and Chris McFarland is the new GM. You didn't have a chance to talk to him. I know you wanted to, but I don't think you had a chance to talk to yeah, him. Yeah, I was hoping to do a one-on-one. We'll work towards that. But, you know, he did talk at McKinnon's uh, signing press conference, but it was pretty brief. I mean, so, I mean, even in your brief conversation with him, what do you sense? Like, is he just going to kind of continue Joe Sackick's vision? Does he have his own vision? Is going to be a con- It's probably going to be a combo effort from my yeah, feeling. Yeah, and, and the beauty of this is essentially what the Avalanche did is they took two guys and Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland – and gave them internal promotions, right? One guy gets to be GM and McFarland, Sackick is now president of hockey operations. Well, before that happened, these guys were still the brain trust of all the decisions that were happening with the avalanche. And that's not gonna change. So basically the conversations between them are gonna stay the same. McFarland is gonna do more of the hands-on work, talking to other GMs. Sackick maybe gets to just relax and really kind of manage in that president position, which probably comes with a better salary. I mean, talk about a great job, but based on just how these guys have worked together in the past, McFarland's history, you know, in Columbus, he actually worked with Jared Bednar when he was with the AHL affiliate, I believe with that organization. 
And that ultimately ultimately is what brought Bednar to the Avalanche, that, you know, relationship with McFarland. So these guys are also intertwined. And, and we spoke about it before. It's clear they're one of the best brain trusts, you know, in the entire league. And, yeah. and these guys understand that things have changed now. You know, no longer are they the, the up-and-comers trying to do this thing. Now they're the team that's supposed to win it all. And, you know, that hopefully won't change the way they operate operate as a franchise because clearly their strategy previously as an underdog was working. They need to just stick with what's worked and, and continue to build on it. We already talked a little bit about Coach Bednar, but I just think that them being, you know, the hunted, so to speak, now is not going to bother him at all. No, not not one bit. I, like I said, I think he likes it. And let's remember, Jared Bednar has won a championship at every level yes. of hockey he's coached, yes. right? So this isn't the first time he's went out and, and defended a title. Now, he's never uh, won back-to-back championships. And part of that is, I think, because he's actually been, uh, you know, got a job or a promotion out of winning those titles, you know, which makes sense. But he understands, you know, what it takes to, to build a winner. And yeah, you know, this is the NHL and it's the toughest place to do it. But I don't think there's anyone in this organization from players to staff members, even reporters who cover the team who, who don't think that Bednar is one of the best in the league. Just because like we mentioned earlier, the calm, the collective, and just how involved he is in everything. He's, he truly is a, a coach on the ice and on the bench for the team during games. So we're, we're going to do a little hot take time here, I think. Um, is is Joe Sackick's career in Colorado the best ever for in Colorado? You know, is he better yeah. than Elway? Yeah. I mean, the, that's the thing. In terms of professional sports athletes, people, human, you know, if, if you were going to build a Mount Rushmore and, and decide who's the – who are the icons of, of sports in Colorado, you're hard-pressed not to say Joe Sackett's name first. Now, Broncos fans would probably argue with you that, that Elway was more important because he played quarterback, which is the most unique position in sports, um, you know, leading the Broncos to a Super Bowl and then also doing it as a GM. You know, him, him and Sackett both won two titles as players. Their careers are really synonymous or, or similar, whatever word you want to use. So – you start with those two guys and then maybe throw Chauncey Billups as the third guy on the map. Yeah, that's if, a good... if you're going to carve a face, you know, I think in the terms of this category, at least we're looking at guys who've done it as a player and as a coach or a GM, um, you know, Chauncey's now in that conversation. We'll see how successful he is in that coaching role. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really is amazing that that Sackick uh, has accomplished all that he has and seems to be just a stand up guy. I mean, uh, I've been in elevator rides with him at Ball Arena. He's always very kind to staff members. Everyone in the world knows who he is in that space. So uh, it's hard to walk around being Joe Sackick and, and not have people trying to shake your hand. But I think for the most part, he's been such a great representative and is just so widely respected you know, by his peers. Clearly, uh, you know, being voted GM of the year last year and, and now getting elevated in his role. I mean, uh, what, what's his next promotion though? Just uh, king of hockey in Colorado. Yeah. Like I, I'm not sure what they do next. Yeah, I think the one thing that sticks out with me with Sackick, and th- and this is the one thing that I don't think Elway did as a GM, is Sackick always built for the long term. Elway was kind of a quick fix guy, and I just feel like I mean it. It's like it's one A, one B, or one. I mean they are, they are almost tied at in that top spot, but. 
Yeah, Joe Sackick's right. I mean, because I even remember, you know, when Patrick Waugh was here and they had that weird kind of power struggle between the two of them where, weren't they like co-vice presidents or something? They had some weird titles when Waugh was here. And I don't know how we dealt with that because that's two big egos. But yeah, it's fascinating sort of how the reputation of both of those legendary athletes sort of split uh, throughout that whole saga for sure. All right. So we'll take a broad kind of look at the NHL as a whole here before we go. You know, the Avs division is never easy. You know, you've got St. Louis, you've got Minnesota, Dallas, Nashville, Chicago's down. But, you know, so they're going to be in a fight. You know, they play those teams plenty. They're going to be in a fight in their division. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just look at what happened last year with the Avs, the Wild, the Blues. These are all 100-point teams, right? And I think when you look at what's going to happen again this year – you know, the Stars and the Predators are also going to return strong teams. The Jets have a lot of high-end top talent. The Jets, too, um, yeah. uh, You know, but and you mentioned sort of the bottom dwellers and the Blackhawks and the Coyotes. They might be the, you know, the two lowest scoring franchises in the NHL all year. You know, they're, they've are they got a bunch of draft picks. They're trying to rebuild. But in terms of the division, uh, you know, the Abs are clearly still the favorites. I haven't seen anywhere that's predicted them not no. to win it. But that being said, they're going to be challenged, you know, every single night. And and I look at the Wild as a team, as a bit of a wild card here, no pun intended, uh, that could be, you know, a challenge to the Avs. And I'm excited to go there on the 17th, um, just being that they have, a you know, a star defenseman. Uh, you know, they've got a young uh, a Russian, uh, I can't remember his last name. It starts with a K, but, yeah. but he's very talented. I, I just think that's a club that, that fans should look out for. Uh, and then the Blues, right? I think just the bad blood from last year uh, in the playoffs with, uh, you know, Nazem Kadri supposedly injuring Jordan Bennington. I'm just curious what that's going to look like when they go to St. Louis. And yeah, you know, it's 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 a tough division, but certainly one that the Avalanche are, are poised to control for a while. And, you know, and the whole the conference as a whole is really tough. You know, they played the Oilers in the Western Conference Finals. McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't going anywhere. And they – who did they sign as their – who did they take as their goalie? They have a new goalie now. Is it is it Jack Campbell? Um, yeah, I think so. I was just talking with some uh, media members earlier today. Yeah, Jack Campbell. Uh, we were talking about the Oilers and, and if maybe they can compete with the Abs this year. And for them – it's also goaltending. It's it's really kind of the biggest question mark they have because, you know, with uh, the uh, upside of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, I mean, those are our two top 15 guys in the league. It's it's really hard to picture them not being in that race. And, and those are games that I'm excited for. I mean, anytime you get McKinnon going up against McDavid, I mean, those guys are just unreal. So those seem to be the the big contenders. Uh, you know, the Golden Knights signed Jack Eichel, and, and he's their their captain now, and and he brings a lot of star power, but they've had to sell off a lot of their talent. You know, I, I look at, like, the – The Flames Sharks, have to be there. Yeah, the, the Flames will be there as well, you know, with Nat, uh, Kadri, of course, uh, um, looking at other, other teams that are going to compete. Uh, the Kraken, you know, they, they got a great mascot, but they just haven't <laughs> been able to compete as a, yeah. as a as an expansion team yet. I, I don't think that they're all that close. But, yes, certainly the the Flames, you know, it's the Avs' second game of the season. It's, it's pretty crazy how quickly they'll reunite with Kadri. Um, you know, those guys will be a, a force to reckon with as well. Throwing the defending champs with a back-to-back in their first two games. It's a little, a little rough by the NHL there. Yeah, yeah, not doing them any favors, that's for sure. No, but, I mean, they're pl- I mean not to dis- – Diminish Chicago, but that's a down team that the Avs should beat on opening night for sure. Um, 
So then, you know, over on the other side on the Eastern Conference, you know, Tampa Bay, uh, the Rangers, they they play tonight, actually. Um, Carolina, Florida, there was a lot of trades going on there, you know. There's plenty of power in the East as well. And Toronto, I got, you know, I, w- I was laughing because, you know, I was looking at odds for our special section, and Toronto was high up there on the Stanley Cup odds. They were right under the abs. And I'm like, they haven't won a playoff series in how long? And people are picking them to win the Cup. But they're always, they're always up there too. They have plenty of talent as well. They do, they do. And, you know, and looking at the East, you know, and this is really the question, right? If the Avalanche go to the finals, which team from the East would they face? And and I think that's sort of an intriguing proposition. You know, and it's kind of a survey of some of the reporters I talked to today. A lot of people think that the Carolina Hurricanes yeah. are going to be the team to beat out of the East, or maybe the Rangers. You know, they're, they're two teams with great goaltending, a lot of high-end talent. I mean, uh, Max Pacioretty, uh, Brent Burns, you know, for the, the the Canes. I mean, that's a great combo for them. I really think that they are probably one of the front runners out of that conference. Um, but I do think as a whole, I mean, compared to the West, I do think the 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 West has some more talented team. The Maple Leafs, of course, are going to contend. The Lightning are going to be right back in that conversation as well, even though they lost a couple of key guys. Um, you know, the Bruins, uh, they're one of the older teams in the league. Um, but anytime uh, – or actually, sorry, the Penguins, I should have said. Penguins are one yeah. of the oldest teams in the league. Uh, but anytime you got Sidney Crosby on your team, I mean, you're, you're going to be a contender. And a lot of people think – that that's a squad that's kind of has its last chance to to make a dent. So, you know, you get some motivated veterans uh, into the group. I, I think that could make for an interesting race out of the Metropolitan Division. But, you know, in, in terms of who might come out of the uh, that conference as a whole, you know, my pick would be the uh, would definitely be Carolina. So let's do a little uh, do some bold predictions here for the Avs. You know, it's 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 tough to watch the team win the cup and then have to predict it the next year. You know, there hasn't been a back to back champ since those Penguins all those years ago. Um, so what, what, what do you see? What do you think they're going to, we'll just do a quick, where do you think the Avs end up this year? Um, I think they get to the Western conference finals and fall to the Oilers. You know, if you had to put me on the spot right now and maybe Avs fans don't want to hear that, but I don't say that because I think the Oilers are necessarily that much better of a team than the Avalanche, or I think there's something wrong with the team. I just think after an 82 game season and going to, into a into a playoff run, you're going to have injuries, you're going to have unforeseen circumstances. It's just so hard to repeat. And you know, there's only been eight franchises in history who've ever done it. You know, the Lightning did it recently, but before that, you know, it was the Penguins once or twice, and then a whole bunch of teams. You know, kind of in a different era of hockey. So, yeah, if if you're looking at kind of the big picture, I, I think that's where they land. But, you know, we're here for positivity. I'll, I'll kind of give a, a bold prediction in that direction as well. And I mentioned this in the paper a couple of weeks back, but I think this is a huge year for Val Nishushkin. And when I say yeah. huge, I mean 100-point year leads the team yeah. uh, in scoring. Um, I just think he has got to have so much confidence with the way his career has played out. You know, the guy's a number 10 overall pick with the Stars not that long ago. And he performed so poorly that the Stars bought out the final year of his contract. They basically paid him to go away. Then here's Joe Sackick saying, all right, Val, come on over here. We'll, yeah. we'll see what you got. And all of a sudden, he's an all-star. He, he's utilizing that six-foot-four, 210-pound frame uh, you know, in ways he didn't before, just dominating the puck, dominating guys, and being a consistent goal scorer. You know, he was so good last year with McKinnon out of the lineup. And if for, what, for whatever reason – Someone in that top three, you know, besides Landeskog goes down. 
you know, look for Nachushkin to fill that spot and, and be a guy who's one of the best forwards in the league. You know, he's he's only 27 years old. I think the best hockey is still ahead for him. Um, and this is going to be a real breakout year for him. But what about you? You, you got something uh, to, well, to rile up the masses with? You know, it's funny because I was thinking Western Conference Finals lost too, probably to the Oilers. I hope it's not the Flames because I think that'll make people weird with, with Kadri <laughs> sure. being there. Yeah. But I agree with you. Like, it's just the grind. The Stanley Cup playoffs are so long and they breezed through them last year can they really do that again i i don't know that i mean it'd be great for a back i forgot tampa one winning two in a row i guess one of them was the bubble so i think sometimes sure, we forget sure. about that one but my real bold prediction is i think mccarr is in the running for the heart this year yeah that that would be great and you know when is a defenseman gonna win that thing right i mean he deserves it yeah, so th- that's my bold prediction. But, yeah, I could see them losing in the Western Conference Finals. Or, I, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to not think that they could win it again. But, you know, I'll stay halfway, you know, sane and say that they'll just – they'll be uh, – they'll, they'll lose in the Western Conference Finals. So we agree on that. It, it, it could be to the Oilers. But I check, think – Check back in. We'll do a mid-season prediction yeah, and maybe sure. change our tune. All right, Kyle, thanks for doing this. Um, this uh, let's just plug real quick. Our Avs special section comes out in the morning. Some stories are already posted online. You have a big feature coming out tomorrow morning on uh, Alexander Gorgiev. So people check that out. Anything else you want to plug? Yeah, I, I just think in general, if you guys are interested in knowing what's going on with the Avs and, and following them all year long, uh, check out the special section, but also subscribe to the Denver Gazette, right? I mean, if you want – a newsletter sent to your inbox with all all the stories that we're writing. If you want in-depth coverage of the Broncos, of the Nuggets, of the Avalanche, everything in between, um, you know, we're, we're going to be there. And, you know, our travel budget's been increased. You know, I'll be on the road for the majority of, of, of games for the Avalanche this year, which is important for getting to know a team. And, yeah, in, in terms of what to expect out of that preview section, um, a Great big feature on Alexander Gorgiev that really dives into for his motivation and and childhood in Russia and, and kind of what molded him into what he is today, but also a ton of charts and graphics and photos just to get you educated about what this team is and what they're about. Uh, Paul Klee has a column about Nathan McKinnon's drive to win a second championship in a row. I mean, that was the story a year ago, right? McKinnon's never won anything. He's got to do it this year. Well, what does he think now? Uh, you know, that you know, the story really dives into his psyche and what it takes to repeat as champions. So a lot of good stuff, you know, uh, I'd definitely be sure to check it out. Uh, that digital newspaper is, is a real clean look too, if, if you've got a tablet. For sure. Uh, there will also be a video going up on our site where uh, that's narrated by yours truly of the uh, abs from the bottom to the top. And I think that's going to be some good stuff for people to check out as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. so that story goes, of the team told told through uh, Chris's magical editing. I'm sure. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. More my voice. We actually had someone edit it, so it's kind of oh, nice. Oh, great. Very yeah. Good. So great. that'll be up in the morning as well. So, all right. Hockey season is here. Uh, Kyle, you will be on the beat all year, and we look forward to reading your stuff. And we'll talk to you again. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.